This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. One of the other issues that's coming up in Hamilton, though, is facilities. I mean, it's great, and it was so fabulous to watch over 8,000 people at the uh, First Ontario Centre cheering on the Bulldogs uh, as they beat the Sioux yesterday. And, but uh, if it could en- get any better at all, maybe the best way it could have maybe even improved a little bit was if the Memorial Cup tournament were actually here this year. Well, you know, we tried. Michael Landlar and the Bulldogs tried. But basically, they said, you know what, your arena stinks, so we're not going to hold it there. That's why these guys, our, our heroes, our Bulldog heroes, are going out to Regina for the Memorial Cup tournament. So we need to do something about the arena facilities and the convention center and Hamilton Place. Well, uh, PJ Mercati and the uh, Carmen's group have a plan, and uh, he talked to us about this actually some weeks ago and said he was going to get back to us when he had some further updates well, uh, P.J. Mercanti, the CEO of the Carmen's Group, joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to bring us up to speed on what's going on. P.J., thanks so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Thank you, Bill. It's good to be on. I assume you have your Bulldogs jersey on at work today? Oh, absolutely. We were uh, very, very pumped to hear the, uh, hear the news. Unfortunately, I had a Mother's Day event, but we had some of our staff attending the game. They loved it. It was a, a great day for Hamilton yesterday, that's for sure. Listen, i got to ask you something on a more generic uh, level here, and, and that's about the Carmen's group and, and their commitment to downtown. And I know that uh, maybe the first shot of that was, was some time ago when you talked about building a hotel while well, there was the, uh, the the whole idea of the casino. I don't want to dig that up sure. again. But but there was an ongoing commitment, and, and you guys didn't just talk the talk. You're walking the walk. You've moved your corporate headquarters down there. And, and the next phase of this, obviously, is what to do about these facilities. But uh, that being said, you've got you guys already got a foothold here because you've been running the convention center for the city for the last while. For sure, and we're we're proud of what we've been able to achieve with our convention center operation. Obviously, when we took we got involved and took over the operation, there was a pretty significant subsidy uh, that the city was uh, was funding for the operations. And and this year in twenty eighteen. We've eliminated the operating subsidy at the convention center, have been paying a utility payment, a significant one. So, so the city's actually in the black with our operation at the convention center. And, and obviously, you know, we recognize and, and, and understand that there is still a subsidy with the uh, other facilities. And, and we think we can potentially do a better job uh, with that and in, in er, reducing uh, the subsidy. Uh, further from where it's at right now, and and look towards the next generation of what these facilities should look like. Uh, you know, we obviously think that it's important to start the conversation and uh, and build a collaborative process where the public sector interests, the private sector interests, can come together at the same table and and have a forward thinking conversation about what that looks like. All right, and, and again, you guys have already started that process because, I mean, you uh, have, have shown, a, uh, I think, a really cool ability to be able to attract pr- corporate partners uh, for some of these endeavors, and, and maybe the first step in that process was uh, some time ago when you and uh, and Fengate and Leuna and a few others actually uh, anteed up and said, let's do a report on these facilities. And and that was the that was a, I think one of the uh, catalysts that got everything going was the was the arena study back in 2015 2016. Uh, you know we were blessed to have First Ontario uh, Credit Union step up, uh, Leuna, uh, Fengate Capital, and and the Joyce family who uh, you know who are obviously very well known and respected in the community through the Tim Hortons legacy. And uh, and so we you know we we came together for that arena study, and then that's what stimulated. You know all kinds of other conversations. Uh, Councillor Marula's motion back in November 
you know, was another piece of, of, of that momentum, uh, as was uh, some of Michael Landlauer's concerns. And, and so all of this kind of formed a, a perfect storm of sorts where now we're able to, to, to build some momentum around that conversation about the next generation. And, uh, and you know, we know that, that, that things, uh, you know, things take time, but at the same time, life moves by in a blink and the next 10 years are going to be here before we know it. So it's important to start this conversation now. When that partnership, that consortium, as it were, was, was formed, PJ, I, I know that the, the, everybody was quite clear in saying, look, this is just about the arena study. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be partners in, in building something brand new or something. And, and, and I, we all took that at face value, of course, but I, I'm, I'm a glasses half full sort of guy. And, and I look at this and said, none of them said they wouldn't, uh, they just said at this stage, this is all we're going to do. But it's interesting to note, if from what I'm reading into this right now, that those you guys are still talking. That group is essentially still saying, "Hey, what's what are the next steps here?" For sure, and and there there is a, a genuine interest and desire to see good things happen for Hamilton. At the end of the day, everything we're doing is for the betterment of the city that we all love, that we've all invested in, and and we want to see good things happen. So so. This this um, next step around the you know the proposal that we've put before council um, is to is to you know to try to move the yardsticks forward on you know number one maximizing uh, the facility in their existing form uh, forms and and two looking towards that next generation. The partners are bullish on Hamilton and uh, and and excited and and the the, the announcement that uh, that you know took place a few a few months ago. Uh, when we, when I had sent the uh, the letter to the mayor and to city council, that has sparked you know further interest, and uh, and and we're excited about the fact that there is more interest and momentum building with uh, with what we're doing. All right, one of the other groups that's come to the table though that I know you've had some discussions with is uh, somebody called the Oak View Oak View Group or o- OVG for the the sake of this discussion right now. Who are these people? So OVG is a is a new player in the sports and entertainment uh, business, and their and their uh, motto is to be a positive disruption to, to business as usual in sports and entertainment. So so they, they you know they're a very uh, you know well uh, well healed uh, player in this space, uh, headed by Tim Liwicky, who was the former uh, former president and CEO of MLSE Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. And prior to that, he was the president of AEG, uh, the, uh, the very big uh, concert promoter and facility management group out of Los Angeles uh, that runs uh, LA Live, the Staples Center, etc. And, and his partner is, uh, is Irving Azoff. Irving Azoff is, a, is, a, is another powerhouse in the entertainment business, was the former uh, executive chairman of Live Nation and CEO of Ticketmaster. He's also the, the manage, he, he manages... Uh, the likes of the Eagles, Bon Jovi, Journey, Fleetwood Mac, Jimmy Buffett, a, a slew of others, and so they came together to form the Oakview Group. And and one of the one of the other gentlemen that they brought in as a partner is Peter Luco. Peter Luco was the uh, CEO or president rather of uh, Comcast Spectacore, and uh, and he is uh, the current chairman of the Florida Panthers of the NHL. So uh, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, well, you've got some heavy hitters there. Entertainment, absolutely. And so the fact that they reached out to so one of the executives from Oakview Group reached out to Scott Warren um, when the article went uh, went public back in February, and we've had a number of conversations with uh, with their executive team 
you know, they're very bullish on Hamilton. They, 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 they like the vision of what we're trying to put together and, and push forward for the city. They came to Hamilton on, on a number of occasions, saw the cranes in the sky, saw the new restaurant, saw the vibe of, of what's happening here in the city. Uh, they saw the Hamilton sign uh, not too long ago, and they were very impressed uh, by that as well, because when they came before, it wasn't there. So they, they were happy to see some positive momentum and good things building in a short period of time here. And so they were attracted to, to this opportunity. They wanted uh, to make a, make a big splash in Canada and, and enter the Canadian marketplace. And, and this opportunity here in Hamilton fit perfectly with their strategic plan and their you know, growth plan. So, so we're very delighted to have them at the uh, table with us. Let me ask you something, though, because <laughs> you and I have had this discussion in the past. I mean, and, and when you guys come along or, 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 you know, some of the other great folks, Michael Landlar comes to mind, obviously, and Bob Young, of course, the caretaker for the Tiger Cats. There, there's always sometimes a, a mindset in this community, though, PJ, that says, well, you know, we're not worthy. Why would these guys really want to get involved in this? But from what you're telling me, though, this this consortium of, of, of heavy hitters that from all over the entertainment and sports world like Hamilton, I, I, I'm, and, and I guess maybe what the, some people are going to say was, well, tell me why. Why they, you know New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, but Hamilton, really? What do they see here? Well, you know, I think they see what's what's happening. Uh, number one, they're you know they're they're impressed by passionate, enthusiastic people. So obviously, the people around our table are very passionate, enthusiastic about our city. Uh, they've seen, they've heard a lot of the success stories of of Hamilton and Hamiltonians. Uh, from the past, uh, they they understand that uh, that we've got a lot of world class elements here in this very city, and and the demographics uh, of the city are are impressive. You know, they they like the fact that there's you know 500,000 people living in in Greater Hamilton. The fact that we've actually got a, a you know a, a decent infrastructure of sports and entertainment facilities is is a plus. You know, they they were attracted to the large arena. They were attracted to the the theater. Um, and, and, and they, they, but they, they recognize that, okay, we need to work with these facilities, that they need some new, uh, you know, some new, you know, features and amenities and some attention. Uh, but they're, they're, they, you know, they're attracted to what Hamilton can become. And, and I guess there's enough of a foundation and enough momentum building that, that they're attracted. And, and my father's always said, you know, we as a we as a city and 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 Carmen's group as a company doesn't have to you know be second fiddle to anybody. Hamiltonians can do it just as good as anybody in the entire world. We just need to be given that opportunity to show that. And so you know, so we're trying to channel all that positive energy and, and enthusiasm to to attracting more people to the table for the betterment of the city. Have the discussions such as they were, and I know you don't want to negotiate in public, and I, I respect that. But have the discussions to this date focused on those three existing facilities, or, or is there a blank sheet here? Because you've heard, PJ, and we've certainly talked about the fact that there are some uh, elements in this city that are even looking at a new arena in a different location over and above the three existing facilities. Uh, are you are you open-minded to that? Does that is that part of, of what you would like to see happen? So at, at the end of the day, we are going to follow whatever process, obviously, council, uh, council pushes forward and recommends. Uh, right now, my letter and request is, is before city staff, and I believe that they will be providing a recommendation to council that's, that's uh, going to, you know, they're going to give their recommendations. We're hopeful to have an opportunity to, to at least uh, bid on the, on the, on the you know, existing management. Uh, we should facility. mention just on that point that yeah. the contract, the, the management contract that exists right now uh, it, it expires at the end of this year. 
That's correct. That's correct. And, and you know, the spirit of why we had sent the letter was, you know, we're, we're, you know, I guess a bit scared that if there was a new five-year deal in place, that would kind of, you know, eliminate the, the opportunity to discuss the next generation, or at least it would delay it, you know, for the next five years. And that would, you know, that would kind of put these facilities uh, even more behind the eight ball. So, so, you know, so we obviously are, are focused first on the existing management, but simultaneous to that, obviously, we are starting conversations about what does, you know, the next generation look like. And to, and to your, you know, comment, it is very much, a, I guess, a, a blank slate of sorts, uh, clean canvas in the sense that let's explore what is possible, you know, what can be done, you know, what scenarios can emerge that could provide for new or renovated facilities, uh, you know, let's, and, and to Councillor uh, Marula's motion, you know, he shared that the city has regulatory authority, has, you know, has land, you know, so how do we take advantage of that with a bit of a vision around, around you know, refurbished, renovated, new, et cetera, facilities, um, but, but we're going to obviously bring, we would like to bring, if provided the opportunity, uh, bring the people to the table that, that have, a, have an interest, you know, and, and, and obviously all the stakeholders, um, you know, private sector and public sector stakeholders that should have, you know, an opportunity to voice their, voice their uh, concerns or ideas should have that opportunity given to them. One of those folks, and let's let's uh, talk about this. We have a championship hockey team here now. Uh, Bulldogs Absolutely. owner Michael Landlar has v- expressed great interest in so- doing something. I, and I know Michael's talked about a couple of different things, whether it's new, whether it's retrofitting, whatever the case might be. Uh, are you talking to Michael on a, on a regular basis? And Because I know in the past there have been others that have come forward and they've treated Michael like a tenant, not like a potential partner. And, and, and I think that's disrespectful. What, what's your thought on that? So, so we have a tremendous respect for Michael, for the Bulldogs organization. Uh, we've been keeping him in the loop with some of our discussions. Uh, I shared with him, actually, before I uh, reached out to council, uh, I shared with him, you know, that, that Oakview group is part of our, part of our uh, emerging consortium, and that's, in the, you know, in the coming weeks, once things slow down after the hockey season, we'd love to connect with him further on this. Um, but, you know, we are partners of the foundation, proud supporters of the team, uh, and obviously we would love to have the chance to discuss, you know, his priorities around the fan experiences and, and, and figuring out how we can assist with that. You know, we recognize that at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's all about the, the fan experiences and giving, you know, the players, uh, you know, a proud environment that they can thrive in. And, and so, you know, we would love to have a chat with Michael to say, hey, if, if we were, you, you know, your partner at, at these uh, facilities, if, if, you know, we were blessed to, to, you know, be in a position to, to, to manage them, we would want to do everything we can, um, you know, to, to, to assisting him with that. And, and then obviously on the, on, the, on the phase two piece, the next generation piece, you know, having Michael part of those conversations is absolutely critical um, seeing how much he's, uh, you know, he's um, invested into this community and into that franchise that is now uh, Ontario's best, which is outstanding. Well, he's a little tied up this week trying to win the Memorial Cup, but I'm sure you guys can hook up. Look, i got 60 <laughs> seconds sure. left, but i got to ask you this. Uh, sure. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to the mayor about these potential ideas, and, and, uh, and he suggested it could be years before council makes their decision. Well, that may be how politics works, but that's not how business works, and you and I both know that. Uh, that you strike while the iron is hot. How do you exactly. how do you rationalize that? I mean, you're going to have to light a fire under somebody's you know what to get this thing moving. You you nailed it, Bill. With that line, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And and you know, right now we've got you know a very interested, eager party in Oakview Group that's willing to be a part of this. We got 
Uh, we got partners around the around the table that are that are bullish on seeing this happen now. And, and so this is where you know when there is momentum building, uh, you know a lane needs to be cleared to 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 allow it to you know progress. And and you can't it it, it, it would be sad if 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 things halted unnecessarily or slowed down unnecessarily. You know respecting that you know that this is a lot you know of uh, that we're presenting to to city hall and to and to council. But at the same time, you know, big things don't happen by, you know, by, uh, with, you know, without kind of a bold jolt in, in, in a certain direction. And, and, and we're, you know, we're confident and, you know, so far, you know, you know, we, we realize that, uh, that, you know, council has a lot before it, but. Well, yeah, I get that too, but that. I just, yeah, I'd hate this. Forward. Yeah, I just don't want this to be an opportunity lost. PG, I know we'll talk 100%. again in great detail about this later on, but thanks so much for the update. Really appreciate the time you today. You got it. Thank, thank you, Bill. You P- got it. PJ McCandy, CEO of the Carmen's Group. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. One of the things that many people are talking about are the proposed plans that have been raised. Uh, well, the Liberals and the NDP have raised them. And uh, the PCs, although they haven't really given us a, a detailed complex uh, plan for their, their platform right now, even have mentioned about the idea of dental uh, plans and free dental care for some people. Some variations on the theme, depending on whose party platform you're listening to. Some are talking about across the board, uh, free dental care for everybody. Others are going to target it to certain groups, uh, income groups, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Well, the Ontario Dental Association wants to weigh in on this uh, with the party's promising changes to dental care. Uh, this organization wants to make some clarifications about uh, some of the critical funding gaps. And, and there's some interesting stuff here that you need to find out. That actually some of the campaign promises that are being floated right now as new and wonderful ideas are actually somewhat redundant. Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Luan Visconti, who is the president of the Ontario Dental Association. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today. Well, good morning, and thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak to such an important issue. Well, it is important because it's one of these things that I think a lot of people are trying to hang their hats on right now and say, wow, this is fabulous. Hey, can we afford to do this? And this is fab. We should all have free dental care. I mean, it's, it's let's face it, it's something we all need. It's something that can be very expensive for some of us if we don't have plans. But, but as your association quite rightly points out, doctor, uh, there are already plans there for low-income people in many cases. Absolutely. And, and I just want to say that we are absolutely thrilled that dental care is on the radar for Ontario's political parties. And uh, we, we certainly will be happy to meet with uh, any party leader to discuss this issue. Can, but, can I ask, just on that point, Doctor, can I interrupt? Yes. Have any of them talked to you? We have been in consultation. We've, av- we've been in um, advocacy with them for the past two decades. So this isn't anything new. And most no, but, but if I were running for election, right. and I'm not, but um, one of the first calls, if I said, let's do, you know, develop a dental plan, I'd, I'd say, you know what, we should talk to the ODA and say, what, what, what's their status? Give us some input into this. I, I, I don't think anybody's actually done that, have they? No, and thank you for that. That's what we're hoping for. We want to be a partner at the table with uh, the, the province because we have existing programs. As we said, we're thrilled that, you know, the, uh, they're all talking about access to dental care. But uh, the truth of the matter is there are existing programs and they're not being funded properly. So that's really the emphasis of our advocacy and our um, recently launched public campaign. And we're really focusing on Healthy Smiles Ontario. And that's the one that uh, provides access to dental care for children and youth under age 17. 
So one of the parties that's saying, hey, we're going to offer that, uh, should be aware of the fact that it's already in existence. It may not be funded properly, but it's already there. That's right. And there's a, a severe funding gap that needs to be closed. And so, you know, the, the point is, is that if they have existing programs that are not being funded, without that commitment, what, you know, it really puts um, the, the success of any future program whether it's new or existing in, uh, in jeopardy. Well, let's talk about the programs that exist right now. And, and this might actually be instructive for the people that are running for office right now. And I, I wished in hindsight that they had talked to you about this stuff, Luann, because it would have given them, a, I think, a, a much better perspective on how they should develop their own policy. But, but let's talk about what is right now. Okay, well, right now we do have um, different dental programs, uh, government-funded dental programs, and we have some for adults. We have Ontario Works, and we have Ontario Disability Support Program. Um, And again, the one that we're focusing on is the one that um, provides access to dental care for children and youth under age 17, and that's the Healthy Smiles Ontario Program. And, you know, that we, we definitely, we're starting with the children, because in starting here, we're hoping to change behaviors and instill preventative behaviors into the younger population. And by doing that, we're promoting a healthy lifestyle. And we know that good overall health starts with good oral health. So by investing in this program, this is what our message is to the province, you're really investing in the future of your citizens. And really, who doesn't want a healthy population? So by starting there, if we can fix the uh, funding uh, close the severe funding gap on this, then we will turn our attention to the other programs and to other groups. There's new programs, you know, for other targeted groups like low-income seniors. Have we crossed the hurdle yet, uh, Doctor, about the importance of dental care? I mean, you know, it's it's not just, oh, I might get a cavity and have to get a tooth pulled. We, we understand now that the dental health is a key part of overall health, or, or I hope we do anyway. Well, and that's, that's been our message all the way along, and we've done a lot of work this year um, going out into the media, well, in the past several years, not just this year, but we continue at the Ontario Dental Association to really try and get the message out there on the value of good oral health. And really, there's, there's really compelling science that proves a link between certain um, diseases, such as diabetes, heart disease, and oral health. So it's not just going to look to see, do we have, you know, cavities, um, and to get our teeth cleaned. There's so much more. And, and they realize the problem, and, and I've seen some of those studies as well, and I think uh, the science seems to be in on that, that there obviously is a link between some, uh, some major problems. I mean, ignoring dental health can lead to some major problems in other parts of the body as well, and, right. and, and we need to be cognizant of that. So, I mean, it seems as if Ontario politicians have come a little bit late to the party, but at least it's good to know that they all seem to be on the same page, to a certain extent anyway. Absolutely, and when you think about tooth decay, tooth decay is something that's preventable, yet... You know, the second most common reason why children miss school is after the common cold is uh, related to tooth decay and dental-related issues. There's an estimation that across Canada, uh, we lose 2.26 million school days for school-aged children because of dental-related issues. And, you know, one in three surgeries uh, on children from age one to five is for a dental-related issue and tooth decay. But, but again, it's, it's something that doesn't seem to have been on the radar here for the longest time. 
which I found somewhat interesting because if you listen to some other jurisdictions in other parts of the world that have uh, what I think to be admirable health care plans and health care systems, uh, they, they look at dental care as part, a natural part of that. It's, it's not separate and apart from that. It, right. it should be. It's all part of, of, of overall health. And, and we seem to have missed that boat. And invariably, you know as well as I do that the rationale has always been, well, we can't afford to do it. Uh, but there needs to be, I would think, some explanation about the cost of not doing it. Absolutely. I think the question is not whether or not the province can afford to invest in these programs, but whether they can afford not to. Well, let's talk about what they're proposing. And I, I know you don't want to get too political about this. You want to do this from a, a standpoint of the common good of everybody who's involved in the province right now, because uh, it seems that whoever's going to win this election on June 7th, there's going to be at least a discussion about dental plans right now, and, and they've come up with some ideas. Is there anything here that piques your interest that sounds like it might be an enhancement to what already exists? I think in, in all cases, you know, they're, they're um, again, we're after decades of silence on access to dental care. We are thrilled that it's being talked about at Queen's Park and to such an extent. But really, the, the real message here is you have existing programs. Um, for example, if you look at the one in the budget announcement, it combines drug and dental benefits. And although um, we don't have enough details on this proposal that we, you know, we're in the process of trying to analyze, uh, it is a combination of benefits. We already have existing programs that are solely dedicated to providing access to dental care for those in need that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have the infrastructure. We have over 5,000 dental offices across Ontario, and dentists are doing their part. They are treating patients, all patients, without prejudice, and that's because it's the right thing to do. Is the government doing enough to try to get that message out there? I'm, I'm sure there are an awful lot of people out there that may actually qualify for some of these programs, uh, doctor, that have no idea that they even exist. And you, you're absolutely right. I think that we can do maybe, uh, you know, a better job at um, letting people know what they're eligible for. Under the current Healthy Smiles Ontario program, 500,000 children across Ontario are eligible, but only two, our, our records or our data show that only 200,000 are actually accessing that treatment. So where are the other 300,000? Yeah, that's less than half. Yes. Okay, so with this conversation, let's assume a lot of folks jump onto the bank. Is there money in the budget? I mean, are these programs funded enough? Could they, could they absorb those people if they all came on side? So let me clarify. Right now, under the current situation, it's not the province that's absorbing that cost. It's Ontario's dentists. And Ontario's dentists are providing the free dental care as you will, because the government talks about free dentistry, but it's the dentists that are actually providing that care, not the government. Currently, we have, um, you know, the, the, uh, I'll just give you a bit of a background. Sure. The Ontario Dental Association, Ontario dentists, were the first to administer uh, care to those in need in their communities. And then as early as 1958, the government uh, partnered with Ontario, uh, Ontario's dentists, and then into the late 90s, they took over complete administration of these programs. But unfortunately, from that time to the present, the funding has not kept up with the demand. 
And so we are at a critical stage right now where these programs are not sustainable. Are you concerned then that, that if one of these proposals, let's call them from the three uh, main parties right now that are talking about what they consider to be enhanced dental plans, if any of those are uh, implemented, that, that again you're going to find a funding shortfall? Well, all I can say is if they're not committed to funding the current programs, I'm not sure what the commitment will be to fund something new. Do you find it interesting that none of them have even talked about existing programs? I find it interesting considering um, at no time during our advocacy campaign over the last you know, decade or so with the province or at any time, um, we've been in, in, um, uh, at a, a minister's working table for the last two years and uh, with the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. At no time during that time or during our public campaign that we recently launched at the beginning of February of 2018, did we ever talk or entertain the notion of creating a new program. It was always top of mind, and the discussions were always about funding what you currently already have. And that's, and again, we're starting with the Healthy Smiles Ontario program, the one that targets the children and youth. And um, with the goal of securing funding, sustainable funding for that, and then moving forward to the other programs. What kind of a shortfall are we looking at here, a funding shortfall? Well, just give you an idea. On average, um, for the average dental office across Ontario, the um, cost to deliver the service is 75 cents on the dollar. So that includes your rent, your hydro, your staff, wages, all your instruments. Currently right now for Healthy Smiles Ontario, the average reimbursement rate for a procedure is 46 cents on the dollar. And some procedures are reimbursed at a rate of 22 cents, some at 33 cents. So you can see... Out of that 75 cent cost. Well, the 75 cents is just to open the doors. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and I'll give you another fact, is that currently, the, um, if the government doesn't step up and really, you know, if the province doesn't step up and partner in this and, and you know, close the severe funding gap, you're going to have more people going to emergency room visits and physician visits. And I'll just give you um, a statistic in that from the Association of Ontario Health Centres, they stated that in 2015, there were 61,000 ER visits, okay, emergency room visits, and another 222,000 physician visits for people going for dental-related issues. And that equates to $38 million. So the taxpayers are already covering over $38 million for these emergency room visits and physician visits. And our medical colleagues are doing their best to, you know, handle these cases. But only a dentist can diagnose and treat dental disease. Well, there's the problem. I mean, if you take that $38 million figure that you've just referenced, all right, and we talk about, well, how are we going to reduce health care costs, that's adding an extra layer to this. I mean, even if they do go to the ER or to their family physician for dental-related issues, at some point they have to be referred back to a dentist. So, I mean, so it's, that's a cost that doesn't really need to be incurred in a situation like this. But again, because people aren't aware of this program and because there doesn't seem to be enough funding for it, we're actually adding to our health care costs. That's right. And you're adding. What they're getting for $38 million, um, is, and again, they're doing their best. 
Um, but they're usually given uh, patients that go to emergency room uh, emergency rooms and, and physicians' offices will usually receive an antibiotic and a painkiller. But again, only the dentist can actually treat the disease. So if they're getting an antibiotic and a painkiller, what's the chance that that's going to reoccur? Well, of course so it is. You're, you're, treating, you're, you're just that. treating the symptoms, right? Well, yeah, and you're adding on to that needless pain and suffering. No uh, child or no adult should ever have to go to bed in pain. And really, when you think about it, think about those missed school days. You know, if we keep our kids healthy, if we keep them educated, education leads to life opportunities, job opportunities, and it, education is the um, key to breaking the poverty cycle. And maybe in the future, we'll have less people dependent on these programs. Well, I mean, one of the takeaways from our conversation here this morning is, is quite frustrating, really, that, that, you know, here these people are trying to talk to us about these fabulous dental plans that they've got in mind, and not one of them have actually uh, had a sit-down discussion with you and the Ontario Dental Association to say, hey, how, how should we do this? I, I find that distressing. Uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative, though, that uh, Luann, that you guys are, are continuing to fight the good fight and to make sure this information gets out there, and, and hopefully, hopefully it will start to resonate with some of the folks at Queen's Park. Thank you so much for this today. Thank you. Great talking with you. Dr. Luan Visconti, the president of the Ontario Dental Association. Uh, and the other takeaway that we should all have from this is uh, when you've got politicians that are promising all these fabulous things like a dental plan, they haven't even consulted the experts, just take everything with a grain of salt. Hmm? You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. The Hamilton Bulldogs are, are Ontario Hockey League champions. What a day. At First Ontario Centre yesterday, it has been a long, long time since the Hamilton team has even qualified for the Memorial Cup tournament. And, uh, well, <laughs> to suggest that uh, the players were excited and, and just overwhelmed by that, uh, I think is a massive understatement. Uh, what a scene. What a scene at First Ontario Centre. Joining us to talk about that and, uh, and moving forward, of course, to the Memorial Cup tournament, uh, we are pleased to welcome to the program the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, Michael Andlauer, who joins us by phone. Michael, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much, Bill. Good to have you with us. And, of course, uh, Bulldogs President Steve Stales is with us here in studio. Uh, Steve, uh, what a sight. What a game. What a game yesterday. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, we have uh, we set out to be, um, you know, a model organization and, and come into the city and, and be relevant and, uh, you know, give some good give, – give the fans some good hockey. And, uh you know the the plan worked. We, we were patient in our approach, and uh, you know it was it was quite a scene yesterday. Like you said, Michael, I still remember three years ago when you uh, were on the program and talking about. You know, I'm going to bring junior hockey here, and, and of course the Belleville Bulls were uh, purchased. They brought in here. You, you got to remember in hindsight that there were a lot of skeptics that were looking at you and thought, "Yeah, well, good luck with that." Uh, here you are, three years. This was all part of a three-year plan, wasn't it, Michael? Well, uh, three years, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, certainly, uh, interestingly enough, when, when uh, uh, Commissioner David Branch came and congratulated me on the ice uh, uh, with the, at the trophies uh, ceremony, uh, I, all I could say to him, I said, look around, look at this crowd. I said, uh, and, and people actually thought that junior hockey couldn't work in Hamilton. So, honest to God, that's exactly what I told him, and, and, and so it's pretty fitting that you, uh, you say that. Well, the skeptics uh, were there. I mean, you know, the, the, the AHL Bulldogs ebbed and flowed with attendance, and people said, junior hockey, nobody's even going to watch junior hockey. Uh, they'll watch good junior hockey. That's pretty apparent. Yeah, no, I, well, no doubt. I mean, junior hockey, and we, we can talk about that in a second, but uh, certainly, you know, when you look at the uh, 
the you know the civic pride that that uh, junior hockey does. You know whether it be uh, you know lo- local local players like Brendan Sagan or Nick Camano, Isaac Nurse, uh, all made such a difference uh, for a team. Never mind the rest of the team, but but uh, you bring that civic pride, and and now we now we you know now we take it on a national. Actually, it was on a national stage yesterday because yeah. it was being televised coast to coast. So they get to see, but we take that civic pride. I think people can rally around that uh, civic pride, and Steve, and we get to take it to Regina for you betcha. Yeah. You talked about that some time ago when when you started with the Junior A franchise here. The the difference about that because one of the criticisms always about the AHL team was, well, you know, we don't even know these guys. They're here for a couple of weeks. They're up to Montreal, and then they're back, and then they're gonna, so. But these are, as Michael says, these are local guys. I mean, we know these guys. Some of them are born and raised here. We saw them play minor hockey here. Uh, they go to high school with some of our kids. We, but you know, they're part of this community. Yeah, no doubt. That's the unique thing about uh, junior hockey, and the players who are not from here feel like they're from here now. We've got an amazing billet program and schools, and everybody. They're they're all sort of connected to the community, and you know, we hold them to a, a pretty high high standard to that. To, that they need to be involved in the community, but um, it's a great feel with this group. I think that uh, that's probably one of the things that put us over the edge, really, the, the closeness of the group, but. What we fail to talk about is the billet parents and their parents and all the things that it takes to to uh, you know to build a championship team. But uh, certainly the the fans getting behind us and the community uh, was uh, it was it was incredible. It was overwhelming, uh, as was the scene. Uh, listen, it's the goal at the beginning of every team every year, rather for the team to to go and you know win the championship and go to the Memorial Cup. Only one can do it. Uh, did did you think in your heart of hearts, Michael, that this, this was going to be the year? I mean, let's face it, there were some pretty big challenges, even through the regular season and into the playoffs. Well, I, I, you know, let's go back three years ago okay. uh, when we did talk, and we, you know, it took a, took a team that was, uh, I'll, I'll use the word somewhat dysfunction, uh, you know, both on and off the ice, and, and uh, uh, hence the opportunity to, to bring Belleville into to Hamilton and, and uh we started with a common vision, you know, um, and uh, I, you know, I could be more proud for Steve Steos, uh sitting next to you, um, you know, hometown hero, and, and uh, we developed, you know, developed a vision to, to, you know, to develop young men into the best that they could be, and, and uh, left their egos, you know, in the room, and, and created a culture of, you know, relentless, hardworking, true character guys, of which uh, I think are. I can say on, on the air that uh, you know Steve Tao says, and, and uh, uh, took that, and 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 it was well communicated throughout, and and, and Steve architected uh, what you saw last night, and that uh, that that was uh, it was it probably a little faster than we th- we thought, but certainly mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, uh, as it progressed, uh, it knew it, and, and uh, you know uh, Steve's relentlessness, and you know his uh, and knowledge and and uh, his team around him allowed allowed this to happen last night but michael you always told me that there was a, an image in your mind of what you wanted as a bulldog player obviously skill on the ice but but there was a sense of community a sense of, of teamwork and and uh and it seems as if everybody on that team that wears that jersey it just exemplifies that i i, could, I couldn't agree with you more it's it's true i mean it's, it's unbelievable and and you know, we we had celebrated last night. Uh, hence, my when my voice is what it is. But uh, <laughs> um, we uh, and, and and you know, Steve and I were you know sharing a beer and 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 looking at the team, and they're they're together. Everything they do is together, and you don't see nobody's outspoken. And they just they just you know they they know they belong, and they they know they're they they know they have a, it's a special group uh, right now, and and. Uh, and that's uh, that's what, that's what I, and hopefully exemplifies what the city is about too. 
Let's let's talk a little bit about the season uh, coming in here because you've made changes, Steve, on this team, and this is not the team that started the regular season. You've had to make some adjustments through this, and and I think one of the great stories in the success of the Bulldogs this year is that everybody you brought in uh, has not just contributed, but they become part of that team. Uh, there's no prima donnas here. There's nobody that didn't want to be here. There's nobody that just played out the string here. I mean, these guys bought into exactly what you wanted to do here. Yeah, and it it goes further back when you when you really break it down. Um, when I brought John Gruden in here to co- coach yeah. our team, um, we shared the common vision of. Uh, now we didn't talk a lot about style of play, but we talked about culture a lot and what we needed to do. Um, so the template was set uh, last year, and uh, you know we grinded through a year where we were okay. I think everybody's kind of satisfied with our year. We're a fifth place team, we ninth place team the year before, but a fifth place team. And you make the playoffs, you lose in Game Seven, and oh, you know we could have got through, sort of thing. That that season was really important to where we got to for for this year because it was setting the table for uh, what we we called a, a little bit of a culture change or culture shift. Um, and uh, Coach Gruden and he put it he put the staff in place, and that's what they kind of counted on and held them accountable too. And you know. Day after day, if you keep drilling it into this, these players' heads on how to be and hold themselves accountable to a certain way, uh, it starts to cultivate. So leading to the trade deadline, when we brought in these new players, uh, our players had already known that they're part of the group, and they bring them in, and they make them co- as comfortable as they can right away. They're part of the team, no egos. Uh, we talked about, Michael and I had talked about, you look on the bus or you look at the team meals, everybody's sitting with someone different every day. There's no clicks or anything like that, and it's it's a special feeling, but the plan started about a year ago on this one. Michael, i got to ask you something. Because uh, as great as the season was, and there's some great moments during the regular season for the Bulldogs this year as, as the team just started to gain that momentum, always on the horizon was the Sioux Greyhounds. Everybody knew well, that's the team to beat. These guys are the elites. Uh, you made one trip up to the Sioux this year, and, and you lost by a touchdown and a field goal. I mean, it wasn't a pretty night. Uh, was there any apprehension that said, well, we, this, th- we got to face these guys? Uh, certainly not from our team standpoint, I don't think. Uh, I think it was uh, it was an opportunity to get sweet revenge. We actually won two in their barn, and yeah. they only lost once during the regular season uh, in the playoffs. Uh, uh, you know, those games happen. I mean, I, you know, I think the, you know, the Leafs had a winning record. I think they might have been blown out once or twice during the regular season. So I think you, you just, you know, you learn from it, you move on. And these guys know how to move on and how to adjust and, and, uh, and stay relentless. And that's what, uh, that was the difference. So actually it was, it was a good, it was fitting. We wanted to beat the best all the way through and we beat the best. And every time we played a team, they were talking about how much better talent they had on, you know, as individuals or the better goalie or, or the legs. And it was just, we, 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 Soaked it in, absorbed it, and then just uh, executed and uh, you know, a game plan and relentless. I mean, th- these kids are you know they're just uh, to you know, to uh, the whole team's you know credit. They uh, they were relentless and and we are where we are. You guys have been involved in the game for so many years, and I know that there's, there's no one point usually in a game that you can say, "Well, that's that's turned the." But there was a moment yesterday afternoon when you're down two nothing. and the league's best scorer, Kachuk, is going down on a breakaway, and you figure if it comes three nothing. Uh, that's going to be tough. Not only does your goaltender make this incredible save, Fulcher makes a toe save on this, but you go right back down the ice and score. Now, you're only behind 2-1, to one, but you scored. And, and th- talk about a swing, Steve. I mean, that, that really, I think it woke the fans up, certainly, and it certainly got the team going. 
It certainly did. We didn't. We whether it was the moment or uh, <clears throat> you know the crowd or being in a closeout game uh, with that much, much significance. We didn't play. Our, we didn't play very well, and we were we we're down two nothing, and it uh, it could have been worse. And you're right, Caden Fulcher. I don't know if he's getting the credit. I don't read enough of the play, papers or, or listen, but he's he was touted as the second best goaltender in every series, pretty much. You know, other than the first one, I guess. But, but he's been a stud for exactly. You. But it, we tried to, we tried to kind of sort of keep it on, low key. We, but the confidence that we have in Falch is incredible. We, uh, but it, he wasn't getting all the the notoriety or the press or anything like that. But it was great. So he kind of just went in and did what he did, and he played well and he played solid, and then he came up with the big saves. And that, like you know, in hockey, is 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 so critical. But that certainly was the turning point in yesterday's game. Michael, you're a goalie. You know all about this. One save like that can really turn a game around and turn a team around. It, it, it builds confidence. The rest of the team, they they can feel that that you know that's. Uh, I know when we played against Ottawa, I could see that the, uh, their goalie didn't play quite as well, and you could see how the team in front of them got deflated when uh, you know when they let in a soft goal or or the like. So, no, there's no doubt he was solid throughout, and that was uh, he was a big key. And and the guy who made it two to one was a local boy, the Brendan Sagan. So that was, yeah. that, was that made it even more exciting. But and that and by the, yeah, like you said, it it ignited the crowd. The crowd after that were were relentless and they made a difference i mean it was loud and proud in there it was uh uh you know and that's that's another reason you know it's such a special moment for a city how pr- how proud i am of our fans um such uh, such great fans Love it. I, I gotta mention by the way and kudos to, to you michael and to the organization uh for doing I, I go going above and beyond yesterday i had ron roscoe i was talking to ron roscoe the other day uh he was listening to a segment i was doing with scott radley about that 76 team that won the the memorial cup the hamilton fin cups and and ron emailed me right after that and uh we were reminiscing about all this stuff you brought some of those guys back uh, and, and and it wasn't just hey a pat on the back it, it was i think to remind them that there's a tradition here and remind these guys on this bulldogs team that, that hey you can do this and and ron's a local guy just like a lot of the guys on the team yeah i, I think the uh i mean in this case it was yeah it's it's proud for us to have them there i mean if it was up to us we could we would have them drop the puck but i guess it's the protocol and ohl and, and all but uh, um you know it was uh you know it, it's 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 proud to, to see uh to see the tradition you know continue to and for our kid, for for our players as well all right well, going forward um you guys got you got business to look after in regina oh yeah that <laughs> we got uh we, we got a lot of work to do just to get ourselves uh um, set up for the Memorial Cup, but as far as our group, I mean, these kids are hungry. Like, they, and that's all they kept saying after the game last night. Like, let's, we're not done yet. You know, they they they, they really have a, a great deal of passion, and uh, there's a brotherhood there that they're hungry for more. So we're we're looking forward to it. We leave Wednesday, so it's a quick turnaround. And I know somebody was saying, "Well, you're not supposed to touch a trophy." I said, "Well, this is this is a big deal. This is this oh, yeah. is these are two different entities altogether. I mean, winning that that trophy is." Well, how many teams in Ontario shoot for that thing every year? And there's only one that gets it, and it's you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was such a proud moment. It's, it's literally still sinking in right now because we 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 have a, a very disciplined group. Like our front office, Ian Mahar, Peggy Chapman, every we just go to work every day, and uh, we very rarely take time to reflect. Uh, so today we, we've been able to do that. So um, yeah, I mean, to have the it was it was a perfect uh day for hamilton and hockey uh beautiful day out 2 p.m game nationally televised sold out uh lower bowl for us and and the win it is uh, is pretty special i mean uh, we set out to um you know build a, build a good hockey team here we weren't sure that we were going to do it this quickly but uh, boy was it rewarding yesterday 
Michael, you've seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly during your, your great tenure here in Hamilton uh, as you've really supported and, and, and made hockey alive in, in here. Uh, is it still surreal to, to actually know that this happened as quickly as it did with the, the, these guys? And I, I know you had great faith in the players and great faith in, in the team you've assembled uh, at the managerial level right now. But, I mean, you're, you're the best. I mean, wow, it's so soon. Well, it's a, like I said, it, you need a team to do that. And it, and it uh, you know, it starts with Steve and um he uh you know he can't underestimate what uh you know uh, but it but you need a common vision and that was that was said and everybody knows it and everybody you know understood uh wh- what was important and and uh and like i say we were relentless and 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 hard, you know worked worked hard, we worked harder than 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 other teams that was i think that was the differentiator and then and then we'll have to do that for four more wins and then we can uh, instead of hosting a memorial cup we can bring the memorial cup you know back back to this town well yeah that would be fitting obviously i mean you're right the tournament probably should have been here but we don't want to cross that bridge again the fact is it's in regina and we can win it there have you had a chance to handicap these other guys steve the guys you're going to be playing against uh not not in depth i mean i've watched a, l- a few games here and there and have some uh, that's what coach gordon's doing right now oh yeah they're breaking down <laughs> film for sure uh you know, they're pre-scouting on the other teams but uh i do have some contacts out west in the quebec league that uh, i've contacted th- throughout the playoffs about their about the team so um yeah we will We'll have to dig into that, and uh, I'll, I'll try and help the coaches. That, that's the coaches, you yeah. know, baby. They love that, and uh, they'll they'll get after it real hard. I think today, uh, Michael, Steve, congratulations once again. It's it's been a great ride, and it's not over yet. Obviously, with our guys going to the big tournament next weekend in Regina, uh, I want to wish you continued good luck with this. Uh, it'd be great to win the whole prize and bring it on back here, and it's going to be a heck of a parade, Michael. Thanks for having us, Bill. Good okay, to have you, sure Bill. Okay, Thanks, Steve, thank you Appreciate so much. Michael you. Andler, team owner, and of course Steve Stales, president of the Hamilton Bulldogs, heading to the Memorial Cup this coming weekend. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.